Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. This is the Piffles Podcast, the show where everything's made up and the points matter in this one, which is really weird. We are your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. My name is Alex. And I'm probably not going to last long tonight. And I am going to give my first gift of the holiday season. I am going to pity follow Steve because as of right now, I still do not follow him <laughs> on Twitter. So Steve, you still- you, I give you a pity that, follow. Greg? Huh? Why is that, Greg? Why why don't you follow me? You you sir wronged me. I, not the other way around. No, sir. I was right. I was I I was retweeting for awareness, and because <laughs> you refused. Dave Naylor is an insider on this of this great league. Farhan Lalji, another insider of this great league, and you you sir chose to slander them. The most times I've been called sir in my life. Just, just throwing that out there. Sir. <laughs> well, we'll uh, maybe we'll delve into that a little bit. We'll see. How, we'll test Steve's theory on how long he'll actually stick around this week. If we, if we do uh, it now, we'll might delve into it. That's true. Uh, you can give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can follow me at RealAlexD. You can find me at Sapamod. And unlike Steve, I do not need your pity follows at Greg on Sports. <laughs> You can follow Steve at Safmod if uh, you're allowed to, really, more than more than anything, right? You're damn right. I'm <laughs> trying also to control in... my feet a whole lot more. Only what brings me joy, like Marie Kondo. <laughs> wow, that's a pandemic name if I've ever heard one. Um, <laughs> we're also on Facebook as well. Check us out there. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Let's end uh, 2022 off with, uh, we have a lot to get to because we haven't been around for a few weeks. Let's get to the opening kickoff. All right. I know everybody wants to talk about the new offensive coordinator, but my, I want to start something with with something completely different. Um, Who the hell's the quarterback of the Riders going to be? Is it going to be Chris Strebler? I'm all in on Chris Strebler. How many times can we say Chris Strebler and Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the same sentence before Steve leaves? We're going to test that. Chris Strebler. Chris Strebler. Five. I, I, I think He's that so Chris, right I, I think fur coats and cowboy hats are going to be a fashion must in Rider Nation this year. Oh, next show, since we do this on Zoom, I'm totally going to get the fur coat without a shirt and that's how and a cigar. And that's how I'm doing the show. He's, really, he's, always, he's used to wearing green right now anyway. I hate you both so much. <laughs> so, so much. Uh, okay. Well, we'll have the, we'll actually have a real discussion a little bit later about who will be the quarterback. Maybe that'll be a next episode thing, but uh, it'll be Chris Traveler. Um, but let's talk about the guys currently on the roster right now. Um, let's get to the signings really quick because there's not a lot to get to, uh, but a, n- a couple nice Christmas presents for Ryder fans under the tree here. Uh, running back Jamal Morrow, defensive lineman Charbel DeBeer. And a big one to me, defensive back Roland Milligan, all re-signed here in the last couple of weeks. Um, keeping Morrow and Hickson together um, makes even more sense now to me just because of who the offensive coordinator is in Kelly Jeffrey, uh, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Uh, so I think that's a good signing. DeBeer, Canadian, also with the rotation on the D-line. I think that's a pretty important one. But again, Roland Milligan, to me, that's the big one out of these guys that they signed in the last little bit. Um, he was kind of a revelation, not a strevelation like Chris Strebler, um, but he was a revelation in the secondary for the Riders this past season. You're, you're really questioning here, aren't you? <laughs> I want to, I want him to flurry so bad. I want Abe Simpson in and out. That's what I want right now. Um, and the only reason I'm still here is because I know that's what you want, Greg. 
Oh, so he's he actually might hang on the entire episode. God damn! I'm checking Twitter right now. He's probably has me blocked now too. I just added him, so I, I I'm surprised I'm not blocked yet. <laughs> but He's seriously, no. Again, Greg, <laughs> Roland Milligan was a huge signing. Like I don't think we uh, we sang his praises like every episode. That dude was everywhere. Uh, De Beer had a great season this year, and he like he was o- o- always thick before this season. But I swear to God, that man put on a bunch of pounds to go, go up that middle. Like he was huge this year, and yeah, Morrow, him and Hickson, one two punch. And not even just Jeffrey, the other supposed signing, uh, coach signing of uh, Balduk as the uh, Balduk as the uh, running backs coach out of, uh, and I know we're going to talk about that out of Montreal. Like our running game this year should be top notch. So maybe that will take pressure off whoever we do put as a quarterback, especially if he's a running quarterback like Chris Reffler. Put a look on Steve's face. <laughs> I can't get over that right now. Oh man, I, 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 I've tried my best to stick it out. I know, I know, my fan wants me to stay. You know, I would say fans, but it's there's probably only one listener out there who's like, you know, I might not listen if it was if Steve's not there. And thanks, Crystal. Um, when it, when it comes to the sightings, I gotta say, Roland Milligan went from a nobody at the start of the year to the top end of our defensive backfield. So it's, it's safe to say, given his number on the field, that he went from a zero to a hero. And I hope he is here for years to come. The one thing I like, and I've seen it across the league these last, this offseason especially, we're seeing a lot of more than one-year signings. And that's something that we really need to, we need to see that going forwards. We need to see these two and three year deals, see these young stars stick around past their first deal. And if he can play in that backfield all next year, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled. Well, with the uh, ability to have uh, signing bonuses now and guaranteed money into contracts, that's a, that's a big thing. Cause even Zach Caleros for the Bombers said, it makes no sense for me to sign more than a one year deal. And that was before this last last CBA was made. And now with the guaranteed money, it makes sense to sign a couple of years anyway. I don't want to say that's long-term, but in the CFL, I guess it's long-term. Um, it makes sense now. So if you can get that money up front um, and guaranteed second-year money, whether it's $10,000, whether it's fifteen, twenty, doesn't matter what it is. If you can get that guarantee, it's absolutely worth it to sign a multi-year contract now. So, Well, especially... And this kind of flew under the radar. The USFL, everyone wants to say that they're a fly-by-the-night league, but they doubled their salary this year. That's going to make it a lot harder in the CFL now that the numbers are almost comparable to what the CFL players are taking home in U.S. funds. So say what you want about the U.S. and spring football, but now you've got the USFL on better financial footing. You've got the XFL that is re- relaunching under the rocks guide guidance with the ESPN on board. It is going to be harder and harder for if these leagues stick around for the CFL to get that top, top higher tier, I guess, American talent there. The NFL obviously is going to get the cream of the crop, but. Um, one other move the riders made, um, which uh, isn't an official move, but it's a, uh, it's a negotiation list move, which I really, really liked. They added, Saskatchewan Huskies quarterback Mason Nias to the negotiation list. Um, my question for you guys, though, was this just a PR move or is this a legitimate good move? Because I've heard yes. a lot of people saying, oh, it's just a, it's a Saskatchewan guy. It's a negligent spot. It's just a PR move. It, it can be both. It can it literally can be it two things at the same time. But at the same time, this is not Teal Orban being signed after the CFL draft. Teal, Teal Orban. I remember when he got uh, got drafted by Eric Tillman. They didn't get um, drafted. He got signed as free agent after. They didn't even was draft. This, was it free? Was it free agent? It was free agent. It was after the last round they signed him. Like, oh, like okay. ten minutes after the draft. That was back when Ryderville had their their forum on on the official website, and Tillman was posting on there. And I said, "This is nothing but a PR move," and he just ripped into me saying this is a legit, he's a good kid and blah, blah, blah. And sure, they had their preseason moment where it was him and... Uh, him, uh, Hughes, and Ford Hughes in the backfield. Ford, yeah, they had that. So preseason, come on, he was never really given a shot. But I think this is a real legitimate move 
sure it has that PR spin to it, but I really like Mason Nias. And the thing I like about him is that he's, he's genuine. Um, who he is as a person, that's like what you see is what you get. And it's a really good person. The thing I do, he's also well coached in the media. Let's be honest. He, when your dad is Perry Nias, I mean, you kind of know what you're doing, but he's, that's the thing is he is outgoing. He has that, you know, I, I don't want to say he has the radio background because that's his dad, but you grow up with that. You're a little bit more of an extrovert. Um, you kind of, you, you know how the media works. And and every time I had the chance to talk to him and, and got to interview him, it was great. He was fantastic, but he was always genuine and very truthful about things. And, and that's just how he was. And I think he's got talent. Is he, does he have the talent to be a CFL starting quarterback? I'm not sure, but it's absolutely worth bringing him in and, and possibly developing. So I think it's a good move overall, because this can be a project for the riders and if it turns out that he can have a, a decent career, even as a backup in the CFL, that's a great move to me. The, the only thing in an era where we're starting to see actual Canadian quarterbacks getting a chance, like Rourke in BC, Trey Ford in Edmonton, I would love to see a guy like Mason from U Sports get a legitimate, sorry, from CIS Sports. No, well, what U-sport. is it now? U-sport. It is U Sports. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, like like uh, like Mason from U Sports, get that legitimate shot because that's what you need to grow the game in Canada too. And the fact that he's a Saskatchewan kid, yeah, you're gonna get that extra little bit of PR out of it. But I don't think this is a straight up PR move. I think he's a guy that they see as a. I, I like the word you use as a project guy to build over a few years, and at what cost? If it doesn't work out, you cut him. You got a you got a few jerseys because he's a Saskatchewan kid, and you move on. So it's it's a all the high ceiling, low low risk type uh, type move, and I like it. If if it was just a PR thing, they wouldn't have put him on the nag list. They would have signed him for whatever they could have got him for, put him in camp, and that was it. The fact they put him on the uh, put him on the negotiation list they think someone else was going to try to sign him as well. So that shows how valuable he is. The knock on, uh, on Mason is he's a little slow foot speed wise. So did you see the last quarterback that we had here? He was very I, fast. I, 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 he was Tom, Tom, Tom Brady is my, my favorite quarterback of all time. Like I, I understand foot speed. I'm just saying the knock, the knock on Mason, he's a tad slow. Co- Cody Fajardo also does that weird left turn that no one likes either. So I'm just saying, like, I'm chances are he's going to get a shot, but also how long is he going to accept taking uh, backup quarterback money, CFL quarterback money, when he's coming out of college? And I've heard from a few people, because he went into what, education? The Saskatoon... Uh, schools pay very well so he could probably make the same money teaching so it's going to be up to him whether or not he wants to stay with the riders or not that's where it's probably going to end all right well let's get to uh kind of the big signing for the riders here and that was the offensive coordinator position uh kelly jeffrey last year's running back coach default Uh, default yeah uh, literally everybody turned down the riders offer for them to be a head coach or to, sorry, to be an offensive coordinator uh, or for an interview. Um, Mark Mueller, Kahari, obviously Kahari got the job in, or in Ottawa as the offensive coordinator there. Um, Jarius Jackson didn't even bother interviewing uh, Costanza. Like the, the list just went on and on about who the riders were going to, it was a running joke as to everybody turning them down. And Jeffrey just seemed to be the last resort, but yet he was always in on that interview process. Now, I think if he was going to be the guy, that's fine. They would have hired him right away. Minute they fired Moss, they would have they would have promoted. Yeah, like I mean, it just the optics of it just looks so bad because it looks like it's just another convenience hire, and that hasn't really worked out well for this team with the Craig Dickinson uh, the last okay. couple of years, anyway, especially this past season. Um, but I'm all for giving a guy a chance like this. I'm actually pretty excited for it. And if you watched his interview, his his 
kind of press conference after being introduced, I'm starting to like this guy more and more now. And I like the idea that it's he's going to suit the offense around the quarterback's strengths. And we didn't see that with Jason Moss. It was almost like trying to fit Cody, you know, the square peg into a round hole kind of thing where let's let's see what whoever the quarterback is going to be, Chris Trevler, and work around <laughs> work around his strengths. So if it's going to be a pocket passer, okay, well, let's find some players that can build around that. If it's going to be a running quarterback like Chris Trevler, then we can tailor an offense around that as well. He's still there. Good for you, Steve. Um, but, you know, I really like the I, idea. I'm dying okay, inside see, right now. Let's see who's, who's actually going to be our quarterback and some of the other players that they're going to find in free agency um, around this team. And let's build to the strengths of them. And that's something that we didn't get last year. So I'm really looking forward to this. And I think it's a good hire. Um, it just looked really bad because it seemed like he was their seventh option. I just want to say... I look like, at this from two... I just want to say to Kelly Jeffrey... Welcome to the party, pal. Because I don't know if anyone's pointing this out. He looks a lot like Bruce Willis. Has anyone brought that up before? Anyone? No? Okay, good. I, so, I, I'm no. glad I'm the first one to notice it. You're the first. You're the very first. I, I'm the very first. No, the nice thing about Kelly Jeffrey, and yes, he was always in the hunt. And he knows a lot of the players coming through. And it, like I said before, with Hickson and Morrow, which was the strength of that offense... Maybe we'll get a little more play with that. Um, but yeah, it it looked really bad when he was always in the hunt, but they made an offer to Mueller. Kahari turned him down. Costanza literally went in for a second interview and like, nah, I'm good because I just want a gray cop. Like it 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 looked really bad. This team can't help but shoot themselves in the foot every step of the way. Just if he was your main choice, then just tire the guy. It's really funny when you look back at it. As soon as his name was mentioned, everybody, I think all three of us were quite vocal that it, he was going to be the guy in the end. Like it was the only, it was the only option given the one year deals with O'Day and Dickinson. Nobody else is going to make that move. But the fact that they went out and, and offered the job, at least offered it to two other people. I don't know if they offered it to anybody else, but at least officially offered the job to multiple other people three it was Mueller and, Kahari and Costanza wasn't it? or did Kahari actually get that I don't I don't think we ever heard that Kahari was offered the job he pulled out as soon as uh Ottawa came Dice out. was hired yeah and that was right after um Mueller turned us down but th the fact that we made that offer is the bad part and I really hope – I don't want to hear anybody call the Riders the flagship organization of the CFL this year. I, I love this team. I love its history, all of that good stuff, You know, all the fan crap. It's great, but this year we need to tone that down because this organization has turned into a joke. And that's, that's coming from me, of all people. I'm the homer of the show here, and I'm, I'm the one calling it that way. Like That's not a good sign. As for Kelly Jeffrey himself, I'm with you. I think it. I think it's a good hire. It's just not a good look. It's. I think he'll do great. I. I like his potential. I like the way he talks. All of his plans. All that good stuff. Great. But it's hard to get excited about a guy who is your third, fourth, fifth choice down the line. It'll. It'll be one of those. Show me. If, as soon as he comes out of the gates, if things work out well. It'll shut everybody up. Otherwise, you're you're gonna hear nothing but but jokes for the next twelve months until they can everybody and we can actually get a rebuild. And uh, joining his offense will be Andre Bolduc, uh, leaving Montreal to be the running backs coach here. Um, so having that familiarity um, with running backs, and like you said, Greg, early in the show, look what he did with Montreal's running backs, William Standback, um, and they didn't really seem to miss a beat without him when he was injured with. Uh, uh, Antwi and, yeah, and Fletcher um, too, and Fletcher as well. So that was a good running game in Montreal. It's just can that offensive line uh, for the Riders take that? They, I mean, they were good running the ball last year. They just stopped because Jason Moss refuses to ever run the ball. So, uh, but what what I like about the Bolduc hiring hiring though too is a lot of coordin a lot of coaches when they move up to coordinator, 
refuse to give up their their portion of the coaching scheme, the fact that Jeffrey's willing to give it to someone else shows that he is more focused about the rest of the offense than just the running game, which I think is a good sign going forward. And the fact that Bolduc was also one of the final five in their head coaching search shows that this guy is a rising star in the CFL. Well, he was the assistant head coach in Montreal. So yeah, the, the, to be able to have that, that title and, and just that leadership ability is, is huge. It's funny because our last offensive coordinator was definitely worried about things other than the running game too, but in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. Well, he, apparently he was learning French because he uh, started rambling in French and started his press conference this morning. Hey, you know what? Good for him. He recognizes the market. Jason Moss, obviously the new head coach in Montreal. Um, that's the one thing I found about the Montreal market is even if you don't speak French, if you acknowledge that and you you attempt, uh, you know, just out of respect to to learn, then that that goes a long way. And it's just oh, it's just a respect. It's just a respect thing. Um, like I've seen, like the Montreal Canadiens, um, their general manager has to be able to speak French. Their head coach uh, has to speak French. Their head coach. So like I I get why I I really do get why. Um, it does kind of limit who you can bring in, but it just shows how important it is that market. It's not just about the on ice stuff there. It's, it's outside of that and it's the whole marketing brand. So, I mean, that's good for, for Jason Moss in Montreal and, and the marketing brand. And I know it's hockey, but give me Gabby as the head coach of the Montreal Canadians. I would love to watch those press conferences on an infinite loop. Um, one, one thing I wanted to bring up was Cody Fajardo. Um, <laughs> And who is the replacement is going to be Chris Traveler. But uh, his interview on the Rod Peterson show, um, Cody Fajardo um, spoke. And it was kind of what you what you expected. <laughs> you hate me so much right now, Steve. Uh, it was kind of what you expected. Um, the violin music in the background is a little too much, though. Yeah, like it's just. The Riders hadn't talked to him since the end of the season. This was, you know, a month after the season ended. Um, said he had a grade two MCL tear um, on his on his knee, um, but he wants to play for a team that really wants him to be there. Not just the team that likes him, but that really wants him to be there. And he has a wish list that he has. That's what I took out of it. Um, but really out of this interview, it just, and I say this, I, I really like the person, Cody Fajardo. I really, truly do. But it came off as as super whiny. And let me get this. I have a screenshot somewhere on my phone. Just give me one second here, guys, because it was I think it was Marshall Ferguson uh, who did this or who said this about that interview. Uh, where is it here? But as as this is great podcasting, yes. um, as you look for it, my I, girlfriend I, dumped, dumped me two months ago for a less attractive guy and hasn't called or texted since i just like to know if she wants me back and that's exactly what it is this is cody fajardo and his you know the riders well they dumped me they they benched me they put mason fine and i just want to know if they want me back even though they haven't called me dude take the hint they don't want you back okay that ship has sailed and has it has it well, and Craig Dickinson has now come out and said in the media that he has spoke with Cody Fajardo and wants to repair that relationship. And now with a new offensive coordinator, maybe that's a possibility. Jason Moss even said in his press conference with Montreal, uh, introductory press conference with Montreal, that, uh, you know, he wouldn't say no to working with Cody Fajardo again. So Because Trevor Harris hasn't signed with them yet. So they might get stuck with Cody. So here's my problem with this entire drama the riders obviously moved on at the end of the year but i've now realized that they're probably not getting bully by mitchell so the pickings are thin we could very well go into this training camp with cody fajardo and dane evans or trevor harris as an open competition and that's where we're at because the market for Cody is negligible despite the fact him having a list 
And the Riders' chances of getting somebody that is going to absolutely light this market on fire is also limited. So now it is a relationship of convenience. This is not good for anybody. This is not exciting me for the season. Are we starting to see a trend here? Convenience? Is this this what we can expect as long as the current management team is in place? Just convenience? It sure looks like it. Like, I... Don't get me wrong. Cody Fajardo, great guy. Lord knows we, we worked with him on that charity project. His picture is literally hanging beside him. me right now. Like, I, I love the man as a man. As yep. a quarterback this past season, not so much. And he just combined the, the quarterback play this year with his, with his ability inability to understand the media to close out the season. And now, like... He's not coming across as a leader. He's not coming across as that guy you want running your locker room. And when you're when you're QB one in Saskatchewan, you have to be mentally strong, and you have to be that guy that people can lean on. And it just doesn't feel like that that's the case anymore. And I just I don't like the idea of Cody Fajardo as the as the number one option going into next year. Now if if there's an open competition and he wins the spot because we've tried elsewhere too, sure, okay, I'll run with it if there's that chance. And that's a lot having to do with with Kelly Jeffrey and a little bit of faith in him. I was gonna say, you know, who else runs with it? Chris Trevler. God damn it! <laughs> we're getting we're getting real close to my limit here. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard not to just. Scott Flory, as uh, as Greg likes to say it, but oh, now I lost my train of thought. Don't do it. Don't. I quit. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm with you though. Like it's 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 really hard to go into this 2023 season if you're going to say that Cody's your guy because it's very clear that he's not. I have no problem bringing him up, like you said. Um, bringing him in with an open competition versus Trevor Harris versus Dane Evans versus whoever. It doesn't matter to me. Um, a really interesting name, though, is is Trevor Harris because Trevor Harris was the quarterback for Edmonton in 2020 when the season got canceled. That was the Scott Milanovic head coach who ended up quitting and going to the NFL. Um, but on Scott Milanovic's staff was Kelly Jeffrey. So Kelly Jeffrey spent the entire 2020 year until it got canceled working with Trevor Harris on the playbook and what could work. So I'm really curious if there's going to be a pitch um, to Trevor Harris and free agency to come here and be the quarterback in Saskatchewan. I'm not opposed to that. If you think that the defense is going to be good enough to hold teams to field goals as well, because this team will, Brett Lothar will kick a boatload of field Brett goals. Brett Lothar is going to have his best year ever. They'll move the ball between the 20-yard 20, 20 lines. They won't score touchdowns with Trevor Harris. But, I mean, they weren't scoring touchdowns with Cody Fajardo either. So, I mean, if you can get Trevor Harris and you have that kind of veteran quarterback who can be here for a year or two um, until you actually figure out who the hell your quarterback of the future is going to be, I'm okay with that. And build that O-line and get them solid so that if you do bring in a young guy that ends up being your guy, whether it's Mason Fine, whether it's someone who's not on the roster, so be it. But at least you'll have some strength around you and guys that have been together for a little while to make that transition a little bit easier. All right, well, there's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal Page with John Realty. God damn it. You guys can't see it. Greg turned his background to Chris Struffler. Um the schedule is out. Uh, this is the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. The schedule is out. Um, the Riders are in Toronto. Well, not really in Toronto. Touchdown <laughs> Atlantic against the Argos again. I don't like. I understand why they're doing this matchup again. Toronto they, obviously because they have the stock footage. They have the stock footage, yes, <laughs> to make the to make the video. Toronto, yeah, of course, they're going to be the home team. They lose a home game. They're not really losing much there, especially with, you know, revenue sharing now. Um, and 
I get why you would want to bring the Riders out there because the fans travel well, and you can guarantee it's going to be a sellout if the Riders are in that game against Toronto. I just don't like that it's the same two teams again. It's so stale to me now. It's like, okay, we get it, yes. I get why it's a thing, but I just don't like that. Yeah, I, I, I get why they do it. Toronto's home box office is what's wrong steve i can't help but laugh right now that's you know i have to admit that good trolling on that one that's the the little the little photo album you got going on thank you um but you know toronto's home ticket sales doesn't surprise me and it kind of sucks coming off of a great cup here that they're losing a home a home game but yeah, it it is what it is. Like you, you're taking your lowest ticket sales and adding your biggest box office on the road. Typically, is the Riders. It just makes sense to throw them back out out at Halifax, and you want it in Halifax because that's where they want a stadium for this Atlantic Schooner team that still has not done anything despite being an expansion team for three friggin' years. So you they need to make a big pop in Halifax, go and see, this is what happens when you bring the CFL down. So build a stadium. I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is going to be basically the last kick of the can for the CFL and the, at the, and the Atlantic schooners. But I know why I get the, I get the draw of bringing Saskatchewan. Like you said, we're going to travel there. You're going to sell out the stadium, but taking one of the biggest draws away from Toronto in a year where they need to come off this great cup and build fandom and build attendance, what would be better than having, say, a some kind of ticket deal around the Ryder game that week and fill that stadium to the brim and get it? Because we'll, Ryder fans will travel. And then you get that ticket deal, get Argos fans coming in, get new fans coming in. That place is electric when you get... 15,000 in there. If they can ever fill that that building to the brim, it'll it'll top Saskatchewan for the loudest stadium in the CFL, not stadium assisted. Um or sorry, loudest fans. I I just I don't get the the idea of, of taking away that big game. It just doesn't make sense to me two years in a row especially. And especially when you look at it has the riders don't visit only visit Ontario once. Or do we... Yeah, once in Ottawa, isn't it? Is it twice? No, yeah, you're right. It's just uh, just no, the once. Because they don't play in Hamilton, and this is their game in Toronto, right? So it's just right? like, one time. So you're, you're taking away fans that travel from that entire province for a season, too. It just... I, I don't get it. I, I understand trying to market that game specifically, but they really need to concentrate on marketing Toronto and building that fandom coming off of a Grey Cup win. That should be the well, league's big deal going into 2023. Okay, and they let's, start- let's be honest, though, no, I guarantee you that schedule was 90% done before the Argos won the Grey Cup. No oh, one yeah, saw that come. But then there, it can't be that hard with a nine-team league to change things up and have them against the Bombers for the home opener. But instead, to or even just Toronto gets a week one home game just so they can raise the banner. What does Toronto have in week one? A freaking bye. They have a bye week. There goes any momentum that they had. Like, it's just an absolute joke from the CFL that they do this. And to, to Steve's point about the riders traveling to, I mean, I didn't want to make it all about the riders because yes, there are eight other teams, but they're not playing in Hamilton. And if they're taking away that Toronto game and putting that out in Halifax, that market right there, like Ottawa to Toronto is a pretty far drive. Like that's a long way for people. So if you really want to see the riders, are you going to want to go that six hour drive each way? Probably not. Yes. There would be people that do it, but you probably don't want to do that. But if you, have them in Hamilton at least. Okay, well, the people that are in Toronto, they'll drive down the QEW and they'll go to the game in Hamilton instead. So it just makes no sense that you can't have each team play each team twice in this league. It makes no sense. I get the whole revenue thing and we got to save money on travel and blah, blah, blah. And 
Matt Baker, the BC Lions, made a decent enough point to me saying that the BC Lions getting that extra rider home game. Okay, yeah, like that's good for their market. Sure, and overall that's good for the CFL because they'll sell more tickets to that second game against the Riders than Toronto probably would to a game against the Riders in Toronto. But it just makes no sense. Like it's just well, it's such he a He also basic... shot himself in the foot by saying this is not about <laughs> the Riders, but man, does BC like having the Riders in town? It's like Yeah. Well, okay, we can... so I, I either the Riders are a ticket seller or they're not. You can't have it both ways. And I like Baker, that's... that that made no sense. Stats prove it year in and year out. Rider games, like away rider games are the most attended games league-wide. We average more in every stadium. Okay, why, why aren't they the home games, do. though? What's that? Why are they the home games, though? They're too busy traveling. I, mean, no. I think the only thing the league got right when it comes to the Argos schedule is them opening their season at home against Hamilton. That's funny to me. Raising a banner against a team who hasn't raised one in this millennium. That's funny. Well, and it's you also, know that was planned. It's also good to play Hamilton right away because look what happened in the 2022 season. They played each other four times in five weeks around Labor Day. Like, that was ridiculous. That was that was sure. too much. Yeah, the schedule so, got a little ridiculous there for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one thing I do like about the schedule, though, is the change of the dates for a lot of things. And the Riders are going to have... Like, look in the summer months. The one thing that the Riders had this year was they had four games in five weeks at home on Saturday at 5 o'clock. Great if you live in Regina. Or if you don't go out to the lake and spend the week at the cabin. They moved games to Sunday afternoon and did someone, I think there's a Thursday night and a Friday night game in the summer as well. And they're spaced out a little bit more. Uh, There's not as many summer games here in Regina. Uh, this upcoming season, which is great because they finally realized that people are starting to care less about the riders um, just in the sense that they're not the sellout. They're not the, you know, the, you have to see them on a Saturday at five o'clock anymore. Whereas now you move a game to Sunday at four o'clock, which this is a, a TSN thing now, which to me is great. A Sunday afternoon game in the summer, people coming back from the cabin, they'll come back for a game on a Sunday evening but a Saturday that kind of ruins your whole weekend because you're not going to be able to go out to the lake. And if there's four games in five weeks, like there was this year, that takes away your, almost your entire summer here in Saskatchewan. So the fact that they changed that was, was great. I love this idea of Sunday afternoon games until the, the NFL season starts. I love that. And if they can spread that out and, and get more people going to games, that's, Nothing wrong with that. So I'm a big fan of of them adding Sunday games, and that we're not even talking about when we game play the playoff games to Saturday yet. We'll get to that in a minute. But I like the idea of having some Sunday regular season games up until basically Labor Day. Well, and one thing I heard is, well, I know a lot of fans are complaining about the timing of the, especially the Labor Day games. Um, all the regular times kind of got shifted, but apparently part of the reason for that is they're trying to regulate the schedule to make it easier on an American TV deal. So if the league can get money that way, and if you have regular times like the NFL does, instead of this all over the map, like the CFL usually does, you might actually get a few extra dollars by just being easy to slide into a schedule. Well, right now their, their US TV deal only gets them $200,000 a year. So if you can get that up to whatever, 400, 500,000, a million dollars a year, whatever the number ends up being, because you move a game to a Sunday at seven o'clock Eastern, and that's the time that it's going to be, or whatever the time is, like that's the CFL on ESPN or whatever they want to, they want to do down there. Great. That's perfect. You can market that and you can make money off that. And that's what this league needs. What this league needs especially is to, is to move away from ticket and butts in seats as the main driver for their salary cap and their financial situation. Because that that is never going to be a long-term successful plan. Gate-driven leagues, it just won't work. They need to find revenue streams 
that are guaranteed whether they have butts in the seats or not. And if that means organizing your schedule around a country that has 330 million people, you do that. I would rather them plan this out because I love knowing on Sunday at 3 o'clock or 3.25, depending, there's always an NFL game. At 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock, depending on the time of the year, there's always a game. And there's a set schedule to plan your life around. And for people who like sports, they like having that set schedule. It makes it a whole lot easier to organize the rest of your life. And really but having think... the average Monday game or the average, the honor or the occasional Thursday evening and then Friday, eh, we're going to do two this Friday. What's like, that? Or Tuesday. Like, no one can yeah. tell me a few years ago when they were bouncing games to Tuesdays, to Thursdays, to Sundays, to Saturdays, Friday night football. Friday night football was the only consistent thing the CFL had. Everything else was literally. Throw the like throw a dart on a on a calendar, and that's when the game was. So and everyone bitched then. So yeah, so, sorry, your Labor Day game is now at five instead of three o'clock. You get two extra hours of drinking. Try not to be blocked out by halftime. Like, I don't get it. Like, we need to move forward if we want this league to survive. So let's move forward. And play well, if you look at every, if you look at every major sport, every major league right now, Major League Baseball has very consistent start times. NHL has very consistent start times. NFL has very the CFL dartboard, and let's see where we're starting today's game. Yeah, three eighteen sounds like a great time to start. Let's do that. It just doesn't. It's never made sense. It's been poorly planned for ever, and it seems to have been getting worse until this schedule where they're actually trying to do something to to make it consistent. I hope it takes off, and I hope this is what we get used to going forwards. And the good and news like, is, Chris Streveler will understand it. I do I'm like just this. trying too hard. I do like this, though, from that set time sort of thing. Um, damn it, I lost my train of thought because you had that Chris Streveler line. Um, oh, it, it shows because the this the whole schedule before was based on TSN. TSN basically dictated a schedule. Now the CFL looks like they're showing some balls here and they're saying, no, 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 no. This is our league. This is the CFL's league. This isn't TSN's league. This is the CFL's league. We're having games at this time and you're going to accommodate that as the sole, you know, Canadian provider of CFL games. TSN, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll have a lot of say in it, but the CFL should have, if they're going to make a TV deal with the States, well, hey, we have this these games on ESPN2 or whatever, and it's going to be Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. You guys better figure that out on TSN. So it looks like the CFL is standing up for themselves for once and not just, you know, taking it from, from TSN and just being happy to have a, a TV deal and be like, okay, yeah, we'll play at 10 p.m. Eastern time when everyone's gone to bed. Like, cool. But they're showing that they have some guts here. And, that, well, and that's a big thing, especially when that TV deal ends up coming up. Um, and they can take that to a potential other company saying, hey, we have games Sunday at 5 o'clock or Sunday at 7 Eastern, whatever. Um, you want that? Because TSN clearly doesn't because they'll have Sunday night baseball that they want to show. And they have this that they want to show. Hey, Sportsnet, what do you have on Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern time? Absolutely nothing because the Jays are done by that. You have nothing. Well, I just laugh at it. It's like, well, the BC games have to be late. I'm like, NFL plays in Seattle, and I'm not up till midnight watching football. Like, the NFL figured out, why can't the CFL? It, may, it always made no sense, the argument that the CFL needs to have their own off-brand schedule. Hey, we already do the rouge. We do wacky rules. I get it, but it doesn't mean the time. <laughs> the times have to be so out of whack too. And uh, one more thing about the schedule is just playoff games going to Saturdays. Uh, the Great Cup obviously stays on the Sunday, but the uh, division and the semi or the semifinals and the division finals going to be on Saturdays. 
kind of takes away from U Sports. So in that terms, and PFC, and, and I was gonna say, and the CJFL, it's it's a kick to the nuts of the grassroots football. I get why they're doing it. I do. I don't fault them for it. But this also, I kind of posted today that the the NFL is also a major sponsor of Ontario football. Um, today was announced. This the CFL is like it's good for the Ontario football, but it's bad to see that the NFL has to backfill the support for the to grow this game when the CFL doesn't. And this moving the games to Saturday, while good a good business model pro- for them avoiding NFL games, is bad for the grassroots. It's terrible for the grassroots. And it sucks because you would think that these you'd want the grassroots to grow with the, C, the CFL game, but what do you do? Because I, I see every year it's always the same thing. Why isn't the Vanier Cup and the Grey Cup in the same city? Why isn't the Canadian Bowl to a lesser extent? Why is the Canadian Bowl and the Grey Cup not in the same market at the same time? This year it it would have been, um, but and it's rare that it happens. But it's just. Moving the games to Saturday is definitely going to take the shine off the Vanier and off of the Canadian Bowl, which is not good for anybody. If there was some sort of partnership that they could do with the with the CJFL or or PFC here and Ontario football and and U Sports, if there was some way that they could do that and still have their games on, you know, maybe later on Saturday afternoons, have a 4 p.m. and a 7 p.m. start. Eastern time, whatever you want to make it. So that's yeah. what three and six o'clock here. If you can have the the college games go an hour or two earlier, and have some sort of some sort of tie-in somehow, some sort of marketing. Roll roll one yeah. into the roll one into the other. Like have the college game at eleven, and then like two, and then do a game in prime time. That type of thing. That could work. Yeah. Unfortunately, tomorrow, today, before you see the stars of today, like you can, you can find a way to market that. That's, you that can. can it's just no one okay. has or seems to want to. Look at what the riders did last year with the with the um, the Thunder and the Rams having that Saskatchewan week of football. No. I don't know. I I didn't go to the other two games. I was busy that weekend, but I I wonder how well attended those games were. The, when they marketed the three of them together, I can honestly that was say, smart. I can honestly say from the Thunder aspect, it was one of our most well-attended games, obviously. It was at Mosaic. It was also the Hilltop, so a lot of people traveled. Um, a, a lot more publicity. Um, it did well. Uh, I know the Rams game had a lot more people, but they also had a lot more marketing behind them. Um, the, the Thunder are all, like, we're all volunteers, U of R has a little more money behind them than we do. Um, so, and they were giving out sweatshirts. Everyone leaving that game literally got a U of R sweatshirt. Um, I, I would I should... love to see all nine teams across this league partner with either a, um, the CJFL team or the local U, U sports team or anything like that and have consistent weekends like that. Because you know what? I hate to admit, I don't go to a lot of U sports or PFC games. I don't remember the last time I went to a Thunder game. And it's not because I don't think it's good football or I don't I don't care. I follow along. I've got their Twitter. I I follow along the games. I just there's never a push to go. There's no widespread marketing for it. But having the the CFL teams in those markets really push it would be great for grassroots football, which would be great for the CFL. But they just don't seem to want to do that. And but you look uh, speaking, especially because well, you look at the riders they sign Nias. Uh, you look at you got Logan Furland, my favorite player of all time, Andrew Harris. He he came out of the CJFL. You've got um, uh, Javoy um, from BC. He came out of uh, the CJFL as well. Like. There's talent in these leagues. 
you build the stars to go on. Like a lot of these stars in the NFL were stars in the NCAA before they became stars in the NFL. Like they, they have a following before they get there. Like there is a way to do it. It's just, unfortunately the CFL needs to get their house in order before they can worry about anyone else. But unfortunately before they do that, they're kind of stomping on the little guy before we get there. Mm. Yeah, it's all revolving circle in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and one other thing we do want to mention this week here, um, we did get to the uh, the true must-keeps on the Riders team going forward on defense. Our last episode, we did offense. Um, I will bring up the defense. We'll go through it really quick, and then one more thing, and then we'll head out for the, for the week. Um, so must-keeps on this team. Free agents um, coming up in 2023 here. Start on the D-line. They signed Charbel DeBeer. Charleston Hughes. Must keep? Ugh. I don't think so. It depends on I, what I just, And you put him on a pitch count. He was a healthy scratch the guy. most of last year, but no. Love the, the guy. Why? Great. Oh, the reason why I say no is because the next two names on the list are Anthony Lanier and Pete Robertson. Okay, you sign both of those guys. Uh, screw, yep. uh, Absolutely. Screw Charleston. Yeah, you, so there's no the two. You don't need the veteran presence that he's brought for the last few years because now Lanier, Leonard, Robertson, they're all a year farther down the line. They just You had Hughes to be that guy. They don't need that guy. And they don't need somebody that they have to put on that pitch count it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense for him either he's chasing records legit linear Linear is their must sign like he is the biggest signing on that defense right now full stop and i love robert you could talk about what happened when he went out last year no that that was because we lost uh gary marino there you go yeah you know uh, the third best marino Who's the second? Uh, Kent Marino from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Ah, yes. All right. <laughs> um, moving to linebackers. Larry Dean. You signed, say, you signed Dean. I, I I love Larry Dean. It, you I signed did, both. I, I signed yeah, both. I uh, well, yeah, you signed every – literally signed everyone on that defense minus Charleston Hughes. <laughs> Ouch. I I'm, I'm, um, I hope if he listens that he realizes you don't really mean that the way that sounds. I know, <laughs> but you don't. I, I, I had no. We've already got enough former players or current players pissed off at us. We don't need to add another one. Bobby Dice has got me blocked, <laughs> and I still don't know why. Um, I had no expectations for Larry Dean last year, and he was fantastic. So if you bring him back, absolutely. Um, Nigel Harris. American Ooh. linebacker, let him go. Ooh. You can bring in somebody else. <laughs> Camp body, sure. Great. Uh, the twins, Jordan and Justin Herdman Reed. Love Canadians. their passports. I love one more than the other one, but I can't remember which one's which. <laughs> and that's what they're counting on. <laughs> I, They're Canadian, good special teams, guys. I've got no issues with it if it's not expensive. Yeah, they'll come cheap if not draft a couple linebackers and use those guys on special teams. Uh, Gary Johnson Jr. Like same as high by high by he he comes he goes on and off that roster a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um Darnell Sankey. Yes. Instant. Like sign him now. Why he's not an all-star is a bloody joke. I'm sorry he didn't big, make big, big either hill. of those all-star lists, the real one or the pretend one. Big the fact that Big Hill got on that list, and I understand. I I love Big Hill, but he is literally Ralph Wiggum jumping through a window at this point. He spears everybody. Sankey is a better linebacker than Big Hill is at this point, and the fact that Big Hill keeps on getting all these accolades and Sankey doesn't is a joke. All right, moving to the defensive backs, uh, Blaze Brown. Again, another guy who's on the roster, off the roster, on the roster, yeah, off the roster. He, he, he'll be on and off the roster four times this year. He'll be off the roster this time. Uh, I'll say no. Uh, Jeremy Clark. Yes. 
he was good and bad. He had some bad plays. But he pro- he's probably gonna be here next year. He'll he'll be here next year. Him and Webb were were those few bright spots to close out the year the year before last. He's still I think he's still young. He's at least young for the CFL or in the CFL. He he's got potential. I'd keep him around. Keep that continuity. That's we found out that out in the early two thousands with that rider defensive back. Look what look how good that defensive backfield was in two thousand four, uh, when they should have gotten to the Grey Cup. Like you build that db room and you keep those guys together so if you can keep them together that's huge so yes which leads me into mike adam canadian yes i know the injury at the end of the last season kind he's of hurt a, him he's a leader he's, on that defense. He, he, he's he's a leader like you can't yeah. and canadian you, you gotta you have to no no argument there an interesting uh we'll get the other canadian out of the way here godfrey on which i think did they re-sign him? I don't remember. They signed it. They, they re-signed it and on yeah. Which one? Was it him or his brother? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh yeah, I, I say sure. You need that. If it happened already, yes, please. Yeah. Um Nick Marshall. Is he a couple of years ago? Yes, he was an absolute must re-sign. Last I, year, he yes, absolute must re-sign. This year, I'm not so sure about that. I think he is. Like he he's live by the sword, die by the sword. Like they don't throw at him a lot, but when he is having a bad game, it's a bad game. He he does those bad games with gusto. That's absolutely <laughs> oh, yeah. correct. Like, he he's either I'm picking up picking off the ball three times, or I'm getting busted for three. And I don't know. Like I. They don't test them a lot. They really don't. They don't throw at them for a reason. So I, 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 think, I, I think you got to. I'm torn on him as a defensive back. You take away his penalties and his, you know, he's, he's a talented player. But he costs the team on a regular basis, whether it's with those major penalties or when he has those bad games where he gets absolutely burned. But on the flip side, you need a guy like him. You know, I remember when we signed Dwight Anderson and everybody was up in arms. But that was a great signing because he's that guy you love to hate and you hate to play against. We don't really have that in that backfield right now. Okay. We've got a lot of, bunch of nice guys and Nick Marshall, who just seems like that that fiery guy who is going to punch you in the face if you need it. Well, he does have an NWA tattoo for one across his neck. Which is impressive because I have zero tattoos and I can, I've heard how much that sucks. And also, I said the same thing about Dwight Anderson this past year, and I got roasted by apparently everyone who thought that Dwight Anderson should never be a writer. And that was a blight upon this team. Dwight Anderson belongs in the Plaza of Honor. He's probably going to make it for their first shivers. (laughs) Probably. I, I think you have to re-sign him, but you, I, I don't know. You need a head coach that can rein him in, and Dickinson is not that guy. Dickinson is the the guy who wants to be his best friend while he goes for Dickinson is boys will be penalties boys. again. Boys will be yeah, boys. Dickinson is probably a plaque. You know how like Ken Lasso is believe above his door. <laughs> Dickinson's boys will be boys. That is what his sign says. I just I I love the guy. And you know if he signs somewhere else, he's going to absolutely destroy us next year. Oh, yeah, you'll pick up pick up uh, Cody for like five. <laughs> Me, I'm a yes. I'm I'm a you sign him, but you live with the pain that it comes with. Well, there we go. And one more thing on the show here uh, before we get going. Uh, actually, one more. One, sorry, one more thing on. Uh, on on Nick Marshall is is you know who he reminds me of because he, he was a former quarterback and he was that emergency or he was the goal line quarterback for the Rodgers. <laughs> Steve knows where it's going. He was the he was the the goal he line played for Auburn, but that doesn't count. He, he, so you're talking about Cam Newton, right? Uh, I was gonna make a Chris Trevler. No, oh, a, so, a I don't know why I didn't see that coming. Maybe maybe put Chris Trevler back there at defensive back. Yeah. 
at running back. Quarterback. Scott is as long as he doesn't play quarterback, I'm all for it. <laughs> if that guy, if that guy spends one minute under under center in a Saskatchewan Rough Riders uniform, I'm turning in my season tickets. I I, I will take that bet. I can't that, wait for that. To that is an outrageous claim, sir. I'm bringing out the sir again. Outrageous claim. Balderdash. Poppycock. Yeah, you know, you know you're probably right. But I'll hate myself for it, okay? Steve, Steve will be the first one wearing his Streveler number 12. No, right I will not. The hell I will. No, because it's your it's the easiest way to get him off the team. Oh, that's a good point. He's got you there. Damn. But he'd be the one guy that would somehow survive that goddamn curse. <laughs> like, first game, like 400 yards. Probably all rushing because he can't throw. Worst quarterback I've ever seen in the CFL. You saw Michael Bruce. Bishop. At least Michael Bishop could throw the ball. Not necessarily not to as receiver. Maybe in you know the next field or in the stands. Oh, Tino Sanceri. Yeah, but you know what? Tino Sanceri led to the greatest random conversation I've ever had on vacation. So I'm all for it. When I met his, uh, was it his girlfriend? Girlfriend, fiance. Fiance, yeah, in in Miami at the Florida Panthers game, and she was shocked at somebody wearing a Ryder jersey. My boyfriend's your quarterback. And I'm like, no. Tino Sanceri, I mean, he's not really our quarterback. <laughs> no. We put Seth Daggy behind center. And I would take both of those guys over he who shall not be named by me, but will be named by you guys another 47 times tonight. Strevamod? Chris Strevamod. I hate you both. Um... <laughs> Uh, sad news in the CFL, though. Um, yeah, we got to rein it in on this one. Yeah, uh, Edmonton Elks running back Christian Salisbury uh, shot and killed at a party at age 25. Uh, incredibly sad news. And and he had an interview on the Turf District um, podcast. Our friends out in Edmonton. He did a he did an interview with them during the season last year. And just a guy that loves his mom and loves playing football and was from all accounts, uh, a bright light in a kind of a dark uh, Edmonton season last year. Um, sad news in the CFL is, I mean, yeah, we don't like Edmonton as the team, but these guys are all humans and I've well, found this, them a moment, so. Well, when I saw this, it, br- it brought me back to when McKnight got shot. Yeah. Because dude had a breakout season um, with the Riders and he was expected to be the number one. And cut short over something. It was uh, uh, McKnight was a road rage incident. Yep. And it's just, it's, it's hard not to get political when it comes to guns and the States. Cause it's wild uh, for us up here to consider people's rolling with guns because they can. Um, but it's, it's not good. Like I'm, I'm going to avoid that conversation as much as possible, but it's not good. Hey, I my issue or not my issue. It looking at his story, it was really it was extra hard to kind of follow this along because he he seemed to have such a good story coming into Edmonton. You know, he had the right attitude. He came to Edmonton, got cut, didn't stress about it. They called him back, and he did all the right things, and he got onto the roster and made the very most of it mm-hmm. and was all of a sudden this bright star in Edmonton that seemed to be well-loved by everybody on the team, fans, in such a short time. You, you hate to see that kind of thing at such a young age get, get you know, that candle being snuffed out by senseless violence. And it just, it it sucks. We did, we're, we're so not used to it up here that hearing about it is tough. I can't imagine, you know, living through it it's just it's an awful story and you you know thoughts thoughts go to his family for sure and and to you know the elks organization it's it, it's heartbreaking you never want to see that yeah so our condolences here going out to uh 
family, friends, obviously, uh, like you said, Steve, Edmonton Alex organization and the CFL just as a whole, like, I mean, it's, it's a fraternity, right? Like it's, it's, yeah, we, we cheer for the riders. Um, but it's, it's much bigger than that. And our condolences go out to everyone in the Edmonton organization because of this. So um going to kind of end on a, on a sad note there, but I felt that we should have said something about that. And it just, the, the character that this guy had, it just seems like that's the kind of culture that they're starting to bring into Edmonton with Victor Kui there now. And, and that's the kind of stuff that we need in the CFL. So taken too soon. Well, that's going to do it for us this week here on the Pivots Podcast. Uh, last show of 2022, so we'll be back in 2023. Uh, so whatever you're celebrating, please make sure you have a great holiday season and be safe. And we can't wait to uh, to talk to everybody about football in 2023. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you guys here and to everybody listening as well. We got re-signed? Um, do we re-sign? We got a new contract? We're, we, we're signed? Um. We'll see. We'll we'll test free agency. Oh, okay. We'll uh we'll have to talk to the agents. <laughs> uh, Piffles podcast, of course, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks, of course, to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty, Churchill, Churchill Brewing Company, Kurt Angle, of course, for making this show possible, and specifically for this, and specifically for this show, Chris Strebler for making this show possible. So Very thank possible. you. I want to. I want to wish Chris Streveler the happiest and longest of careers in New York. I hope he retires a New York Jet. I thought you were going to wish him a top cat. I never want to see him coming up here. And I'm just happy that I survived this episode. I didn't quit. Like he did on the CFL. I wanted a Flory. I so wanted a Flory. There, there were moments there. You almost had me with the background. (laughs) I, I had Alt F4 like. I was ready to go, but I didn't want to give you the satisfaction. Uh, I even gave you a pity follow. I hope you're happy. (laughs) I'm never happy. (laughs) Can confirm. Uh, This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert.